You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 256th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 852nd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of June 30th, 2022. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. Well, it feels like ancient history now, given that just the last, I don't know, six hours in the sports world feel like they've packed about three weeks worth of news into it. Uh, But my better moment occurred on Friday afternoon of last week when I had the chance to host the latest edition of the Inside Scoop with Tamar and the four freshmen. And if you missed that episode, I highly recommend giving it a listen or even better watching it on YouTube because you can kind of see all the guys interact. Uh, You know, it was one of those conversations where all five guys are really engaged in the conversation And at times, I just kind of felt like a fly on the locker room wall observing how these new teammates interact with each other. And it's pretty clear uh, that they've built a lot of chemistry in a short period of time. But the most insightful part of the entire experience for me was actually the conversation I had with Tamar off air once we stopped recording. It had been a while since we talked, and it was great to catch up with him. And my overwhelming sense from the conversation was that after a very tumultuous freshman season, Scoop is in the perfect mindset to be the next Big Ten sophomore who makes a big leap in his second season. You know, I think we've all realized this. He's always seemed fairly grounded and mature for someone his age. But I sensed it more in that conversation than ever before. He seemed to me like a lot of people I've known who are new dads fully embracing the role, imbued with an even greater sense of purpose and responsibility as I am here looking at the monitor with my son crying, right on cue. Well done. Um, (laughs) Tamar is not just playing for himself or his teammates. He's playing for something much bigger. And after a season in which clarity and consistency uh, were probably hard for him to come by, given all he went through, it seems he is entering his sophomore year with a clear runway to take off in a way that can lift the ceiling of this talented roster. Now, to be fair caveats, it's just one conversation on zoom. So take it with however many grains of salt you want to, but I'm just reporting my visceral reaction to the conversation. It made me a, an even more firm believer in a scoop sophomore year breakout. And if that indeed happens, given how much Tamar's talent seemed to fit the exact holes that could hold this roster back, this Indiana team will be well positioned to fulfill its lofty offseason expectations. All right, now let me introduce my co-host this week. Coach is off, but here with me to my left is the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, the Terry Morin of Girls Youth Sports Coaching in Cincinnati and one of the world's most renowned bracketologists. The best of youth sports coaching, you know that we got them. When it comes to analytic trends, you know he can spot them. For first class bracketology, if you want the top, you gotta go bottoms. If you want the top, you gotta go bottoms. If you want the top, you gotta go bottoms. Let's go bottoms. 
Danny Bottoms. Andy, what is your bottoms line on the last week in Indiana basketball or all the other stuff going on? Yeah, well, plenty of time to talk about the other stuff, but I, I did enjoy watching the uh, Jordan Hill holes media availability today. Uh, kind of different, but cool to see him uh, in that role and, and seems really excited about it with good perspective about what it means to him and his family, uh, you know, what the program means. And, and for a guy like him who, you know, talked about what a, a gym rat he's always been, what that decision was really like to to stop playing uh, as opposed to going a couple more years. And I, I loved his, I think he said something to the effect of if I'd waited to stop till I was 40, I'd have still felt the same way. So that part doesn't really, uh, doesn't really matter. But I, I think uh, even as he, you know, wrapped it up, I think one of the things he really brings to it, he, he talked about kind of the recipe that was successful for him, uh, you know, in, in terms of hard work and, and some of those kinds of things. And so I think, you know, if you're able to bring in the right kind of guys who are willing to listen to somebody like him tell his story and what helped him get there, uh, and, and you start with guy, you know, guys with the, the talent level of some of the ones that are, are coming in and uh, that they'll be out looking for, uh, it'll be just great to see what he can do uh, in that role. Great, always been a great ambassador for the IU basketball program, no matter, uh, you know, what, where he's been or, or anything else. But, uh, Really excited to see him and seems to be excited about the role as he figures out what all the role actually is. Um, but uh, but for now, just a great guy to have around the program and uh, excited to see uh, where that uh, where that takes the, the program as a whole. And uh, Jordan in particular, who, who knows how long he may be there. He may be somebody who uh, shoots up the, the ranks from a, a coaching perspective, if that's what he wants to do. But uh, we'll certainly enjoy it while he's there. And just casually mentioned that he hit 43s in a row, said he still got it. So he looks nice. like, yeah, and he looks pretty much the same, I, I would argue. Well, he was just uh, playing a few weeks ago. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. And he still looks kind of young. Like, I think Jordan Hulls needs to disappear, and we all of a sudden need to be recruiting, yeah, you know, Johnson Horn or, you know, someone yeah. new and just pull him in and that'll help fix our shooting was. I don't know. I was trying to think of a JH off the top of my head. Just let it slide. Edit it out. Um, okay, let's move along now to my right, or I guess below me. He is a senior writer for the Big Lead, the president emeritus of the Tony Gwynn fan club, and the number one Twitter account for hot takes on both politics and the Padres. That's right. You know who it is. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. The dude just interrupted his own jingle. Ryan? For the first time in the history of this show, you can talk about USC, and it's actually on topic. How does that Get feel? Get used to it, buddy. <laughs> Get used to it. I said this was a bad deal for some people. You're one of them. Uh, you know, the expansion, obviously, is the big conversation today. And as I said on uh, Twitter, and Jared and I argued, and we're going to continue that tonight, I feel like, uh, I just don't get it. I don't get it. And I don't get the people celebrating it especially Indiana fans. And I'll tell you why we are rapidly careening towards a situation where there are going to be two mega conferences with 20, the top 40 teams are going to be split into two mega conferences. That's where this is going. And what's going to happen eventually is the top. This is all about football, by the way, nobody cares about basketball in this. This is completely all about football revenue. I think we can all agree on that. Basketball is going to be an afterthought here. If basketball was big, they'd have gone after Kansas. It, it's, it's not. Kansas and Arizona would have been the two teams they went for. This is about football. It's all about football. And what's going to happen is about the 10 top teams eventually, Ohio State, Michigan, uh, USC now, maybe Notre Dame, 
whoever else, Penn State, you know, are finally are eventually going to say, we don't want to share our football revenue with Nebraska, Rutgers, and Indiana. Let's just break off and do our own thing. And those 10 are going to form their own little super conference with the best 10 teams, and they're going to get all the revenue. The best way for a team like a place like Indiana with a middling football program, let's be honest, is to stay in the traditional situation with the Big Ten, the Pac-12. But the more expansion comes, the football programs that are not elite are going to get left behind. That is going to happen. There is, you ask anybody who knows this stuff, they'll say, yeah, this 20-team thing will last five years, maybe. And then it's going to fracture. Because again, the top-tier teams, they're not going to love splitting revenue with teams that don't bring in any revenue. It's the same situation with USC and the Pac-12. USC about doubles everybody else's revenue in the Pac-12. The reason they were looking to leave is because the Pac-12 payouts, they were getting the same as Colorado and Oregon State and Utah. They don't want to move. They don't want to go play their their home games 1,500 miles or their road games 1,500 miles away, but they're forced to do that because of financial situations. So people in Indiana who are celebrating this realize that Indiana is going to be one of the teams that gets left behind unless the football program keeps up. Second, a problem I have with this. Every other year or so, a team from LA is going to come to Indiana for football. They're going to come to Bloomington for football. Nobody from Los Angeles is flying into town to worse weather to watch a game in football or basketball. Those small businesses in Indiana that thrive off of visiting teams coming in are going to lose revenue because of this. They'd rather have Ohio State, Wisconsin, uh, Nebraska, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State coming to town because their fans will travel. People from L.A. are not going to pay for a flight to go all the way to cold weather. It's not happening. And so that's going to happen all over Big Big Ten schools. You're going to start seeing that. And I, I like I get it. There's more money in the conference if they have L.A., whatever. I, I get that. But this is not better for student athletes. They're going to have way more travel, way less time for school, way less time for recovery and practice and everything. I don't love this. I'm sorry, guys. I get more money. The administrators love it because they're all going to get bigger paychecks. That's what this is all about. Maybe some better facilities. But for the players – it's going to suck having to travel that much. It absolutely is. We saw it with Indiana when they went to Dayton and had to fly all the way to Portland afterwards. It sucked. They were exhausted. And that's going to continue to happen. You think flights aren't going to get delayed in the Midwest in winter? It happens all the time. And they're going to have to fly all the way out to Los Angeles. I, I, I don't see it. I, I get why they did it. You really don't feel sympathy for the players, Jared? Because I do. I do. They're caught up in something. I didn't realize you were going to do all of your arguments in the beginning. Let's save it. Well, for you second. can respond to all of them. I'm sorry. I'm fired up. I think it's a bad move. Yeah. The conference gets a ton of money. Great. The school gets a ton of money. I don't care if Indiana gets a ton of money. Like they build a new basketball facility. Okay, cool. Like I want to see the old traditional product. I enjoy the old product that we had and, and I don't understand blowing it up and completely changing college sports. Okay. Ryan, if this additional money led to uh, tearing down Assembly Hall and building a new basketball venue, it's not going to. They're never going to do it. I just want to pit you against they're yourself. They're never going to do it. They're <laughs> never going to do it. That's really the show that we need. Ryan against himself, just arguing, yeah. arguing against his old his old rants. Um, okay, so look, obviously, what we have in store this week, our uh, our run sheet got blown up here midway through today. We'll spend the rest of segment one talking about this. We'll see what happens in segment two. And then we got a lot of questions from you all uh, for segment three. So we are going to get to all of that here as we continue on. Um, but first. Home field apparel. Well, I'm for the team. 
about the good folks at Homefield Apparel because this episode of the Assembly Call, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, is presented by our friends at Homefield Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere. Uh, and they just released last week uh, the new felt pennants with the bison on it. I'm not sure if supplies still last. I will tell you this though, I bought like five or six of them and we're probably gonna do a few giveaways. So if you didn't get one of those, stay tuned because we'll do some giveaways. Um, but Homefield Apparel, they have everything, not just if you're an IU fan, but if you're a fan of almost any other school in the country, they've got the best apparel there and it's comfortable. The colors stay bright even after many washings, and you're supporting an awesome company that came up through Indiana, through the Kelly School of Business, and that, look, while all these other schools like to, you know, act like, you know, they love Homefield Apparel and Homefield loves them back, we know who Homefield's number one school is, and it's Indiana, and that's why we love supporting them. So go to homefieldapparel.com, use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off your first order. That is promo code HOME. For 15% off, once again, the website, homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, Andy, let's uh, let's continue talking about the realignment. Now, I will just say this, Ryan, in response to you. There are a lot of things I actually don't like about this. Like, if I had my druthers, we would go back to the original conference alignments. They made sense. There's tradition. Like, give me the Big Ten before Penn State. That would be my preference. And so I think there are some things that you mentioned that are valid and reasons, you know, why I don't like this. But given the track Can you grab that, that we're... drop, by the way, please. It's just for me. It's... Grab what drop? No, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you saying you agree with me on some things? No, but well, because I mean, some of those things are obvious. Like I think a lot of us who are traditional fans want it the old way, and I think college sports are better with regional rivalries, with the agree. travel, like you talked about, being able to go. Agree. Like I agree with all of that. It's just that the reality has changed. And so, you know, you look at the individual actors who were in this and they're all acting rationally. The Big Ten has to keep up with the SEC. They're not going to say no to USC and UCLA. And USC and UCLA are on a dying ship in the Pac-12. They want to get out somewhere where they're protected and be part of one of these big conferences. So they're going to do that. And at least in the short term, look, what you said about, you know, Indiana and this being about football and, you know, this possibly hurting in the long run, that is possible. But in the short run, likely. it's going to lead to a it's much likely. more – well, who knows if it's likely. I mean, that's a long way off. Um, but it's going to lead to you know, much bigger revenues that, you know, yes, it's annoying that everything is about money, but it's about money because you do things with money. And so the schools will benefit, and the players will benefit some from that money. And so I guess I just look at it, and I have a hard time railing against it because I don't know what the other option was. So, so we can yell into the void for a reality that doesn't exist, but I just don't think we're there anymore. And so given the current reality, this made sense for the Big Ten, which Indiana figures solidly in right now, and it makes sense for USC and UCLA. So I just I can't get that worked up about it because it makes too much sense for a lot of reasons. I think it makes sense, as you said, financially for those sure. institutions. And again, if money is all that matters and we truly do not care about the well-being of the athletes – then you're right. You're absolutely right. No, I'm sorry, well, I mean, Jared. I mean, his, his, yeah, I mean, history would show that the decision makers in this scenario are not putting the well-being of those people go. at the forefront. So to expect them to start now is... Well, but I can still be mad when they don't, though, Andy. I can still I can still be upset when it's like, okay, this is even more clearly about I just think, money every day. I, yeah, I think you're those just not issues... acknowledging the reality of the situation. Like, 
Like even what Fair. you said about football for, for IU might be true, but it, what, if that that's probably inevitable anyway, wh- whether the big 10 gets in on this, those top teams are always going to be the top teams. And if it wasn't the big 10, so they're going someplace else. So for IU to say, well, I'm going to save myself because this is going to screw our football program and be and vote against it. And for other teams that would be in a similar boat to, to vote against it, you, you're kind of, you're signing the big 10 up to fail in that scenario, which hurts you in the long run anyway. So what I what I think in this situation is you're saying they had to do this. They had to, you don't have to because you're never going to match the SEC. Like you're saying you're going to keep up with the SEC. You're not going to keep up with the SEC. The SEC is so far beyond everybody. It's done. They've won. Okay, and the, and the Big Ten. Right. I don't care. But they have to outpace everybody else. They have to at least be number sure. two. Sure, they're they're already going to be number two. Nobody's going to surpass the Big Ten right now. Like the Pac-12 isn't going to do it. The Big Twelve is falling apart. The ACC is always going to play second fiddle in that region to the SEC. They already won in the Midwest, and and it, you know, like I would understand if you added like Kansas, like because for basketball and 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 whatever, and maybe Oklahoma State or something like that, because that makes sense, ge- somewhat sense geographically. But you just said the basketball doesn't matter; it's all about football. It doesn't. No, I'm saying I know, and, and, and but I'm saying like I could see that be from, and you could say we're gonna focus, we're gonna be the basketball conference. You know, you be the football conference, we'll be the basketball. Um, okay, well, here, here's that, the thing. Okay, because I think we do like in a lot of ways, qualitatively, right? Like spiritually on this, we agree. You know, I think we'd all like for college sports to go back to a simpler time. Younger people may not feel the same. Some may, I don't know, but especially people our age and older, you know, are comfortable with the way that that things were um, in a lot of senses. I will say this. I do think you're overplaying the travel part of it a little bit. And that's not to say that there aren't travel issues, but travel is a lot more comfortable now than it used to be. A lot of schoolwork is done online anyway, and they'll be able to do that. And no one is being forced to do this. You know, kids have a choice if they want to go to USC and UCLA. And the reality is there will probably be at least two more schools from the West Coast brought in that will alleviate some of that. So, like, I get that that is, it, there's no question that's an inconvenience and it's not ideal. So I will grant you that. But I don't think it's as bad as it might have been even five, 10 years ago as it is now. Yeah. Here's the problem is that there are more games now than there used to be. And that's what makes it harder. And, and, and kids going midweek. I mean, look at the big 10 schedule. Sometimes there's three games in a week and two of those could be traveling all the way across the country. And, and look, when I say all the way across the country, I'm not talking about Rutgers. You know how long a flight it is to go to Michigan from, from LA or to go to, you know, Penn state or, or even, you know, Nebraska is 1500 miles. Like, that wears you down over time. It does. And it mentally wears you down. That's the other thing, not being in your own bed, having to travel all those hours, having to fly back. I mean, flying to the East coast sucks because you lose a whole day. No matter where you go, you lose an entire day because of the time change. And, and but the that's East what I'm coast saying. Gives- they won't lose an entire day because they'll probably do most of their schoolwork on the plane. No, they'll probably so it's not like plane, before. Jared. That's what they do. They don't well, sit there and they don't sit there and do like none of these planes are kids sitting there with their books out doing doing schoolwork they chill on the plane that's what they do it's about but the problem is imagine iu flying in the night before to la and then flying back the game's probably going to tip at midnight eastern or or 10 o'clock eastern by the time that's over then they got to fly all the way back they're getting in at three four in the morning and then two days later they're going to play another game like it's it's they're probably not gonna be able to practice that day because they're getting in so late you know, I mean, this just throws off everything. We talk about this all the time that when they have to travel all the way to Rutgers and then come back and play another game two days later, it's awful. 
it's going to be the same problem in LA. You're just adding more of it. And for the LA teams, look for football. And this is all about football for football to some degree. It matters. Cause you're going to have to go to East coast probably five times a year. And then if you make the conference championship game a sixth time, which is still a pain in the ass, but for basketball, for other sports where you're traveling a lot, it's going to be miserable for these kids. And you're, you're right. They have, and, and here, one more thing that, that bothers me about this is a lot of kids, their parents, they commit to a school and their parents want to see them play. And that's why regional college sports is so special. Because those parents, if you're if you're an IU kid, you're from Indiana, you can drive to every game if you want. At UCLA and USC, you can drive to pretty much every game you go to. Now you can't. They get to see you at the home games and maybe at UCLA, and that's it. And I think that sucks. Uh, I mean, you're right. Those kids have a choice. But if those kids start not choosing USC – the product suffers, and then what's the point of having them in the conference anyway? They won't make the revenue. Their stadium will be empty. They, you know, having a team in LA that sucks doesn't help you that much if nobody's watching. So, I, I just think that there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of bad here that could happen. And in the moment, everyone's really excited because it's it's revenue, it's new revenue. But long term, it could dilute the product and make it crappier. Um, so I don't know. I, I just I'm not on board. I think I think the conference expansion thing has been stupid anyway. Because you're going to have not stupid. It's rational. It's what it's what they here's have the thing, to do. Jared, so not for everybody involved, not for everybody involved, because here's what you're going to have. You're going to have two 20 team conferences where there are five teams in each conference that have a chance to win. And, and that's it. The 15 teams in each conference are basically going to be, be done when the season starts. But how is that that's different than now? Point. You could name you could name before every college football season who the top teams are going to be. That's no because you could win the conference at least like I'm saying like. You know, you like USC can, and UCLA can win the Pac-12. They're not maybe they don't have a chance in the Big Ten. Like you know, Indiana had a chance one year to to potentially do it. Like you had chances to move up, but if you stack these conferences so much, the rich just get richer and the middle teams get left behind, and they have no chance to do anything really. And you know, I mean, I I just think it's it it, it screws the product when like your team has no chance to win. What's the point in investing so much when you have no chance? I, I just don't get, I think that's a lot of these mid-tier teams are going to lose fans. You're going to see empty stadiums because by the third week of the season, they're out of it, you know? And so you're right. National championship. You're right. There's always a list of like seven teams. One of them is going to win the national championship, but at least before you had a chance to win your conference, you had a chance to fight for a conference study. You were in the race until late. Now that's over early in the season. It's just, I don't know. It, it's just not, it doesn't feel like college sports anymore. And um, I get it. This is the way I that agree. this is going. I, I, I hate it, and I can I can dislike it. I dislike this move. I, I don't think it makes no one is arguing with you disliking it. A lot of us dislike it. I'm arguing with you saying that it's dumb because it's not. I dumb. do think it's dumb. I think it's dumb for the product. I think it's dumb for the fans. I think it's dumb for the for the uh, for the but, athletes. But with the current with the current landscape, what 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 should IU or the Big Ten have done differently in this do you, area? Because for us, just made we're looking at it from a. Year. I know. Hang on. But, but for us, we're looking at it from that perspective. So your choices are these teams, I, 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 I've heard different things. Some of it is they approach the Big Ten, some of it not. What doesn't, doesn't ultimately matter. If, if presented with the option to add these teams, your options are to do it or not to do it. If you don't do it, somebody else is going to add them. If you believe that Big Ten is already far behind, you fall further behind when they go someplace else. So I, where would I, they go, though? Other than the SEC, where would they go that would threaten you? The Big 12? Big 12 is falling apart. The Pac-12? Pac, they'd stay in the Pac-12? The ACC? The ACC is 
it, it looks like it may fall apart too. I mean, I, like, I, I just don't think there was a threat. I really don't. I think it's an imagined threat. You're never going to beat the SEC. The SEC is the whale, and it's always going to be the whale, and it, it will continue to be so. The Big Ten is not going to challenge that. I don't think they needed to make a move. I, I really don't. I Like, this idea that, like, it, it makes sense. It does make sense to open the LA market. I agree. You want that money. Fine. Go get it. But there are consequences to doing that, and part of it is the product. I don't think the product is going to be as good. I think it's going to suck, and I think it's going to be stupid. Like, you know, you're going to give up a game against a team you're used to, you love to play, like a Penn State or a, a Michigan or whatever, to play a team in LA you have no history with. I, I, I don't think that's good for the product. I just don't. I mean, we're already but, look, down. If that you don't want to watch Minnesota UCLA at at midnight on a Wednesday, <laughs> that's your choice. But Coach I'm just ready for the first for 2 a.m. post game yeah. show. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Let's talk about that as the unintended consequence. Andy's going to be finishing up post game shows and going right to work. Yeah, I'll just I might as well just log on. We're good. And by the way, let me say this. Let me say this too, because somebody made this point in the chat. Like, part of this is the fault of the Pac-12. I completely agree with that. That 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 Larry Scott, the commissioner of the Pac-12, was the worst commissioner I think in the history of college sports, and basically sunk that conference. And that has led to this because the the. College sports does need something on the West Coast. Even with USC and UCLA leaving, they need something out there to keep those fans. Like I said, those fans are not traveling to the East Coast to watch games. They're not going to sell out, help sell out stadiums. They just aren't because the weather's better out there. They're not going to go to bad weather to watch a game. They're going to stay home, watch it on TV because they can. So there need to be something to keep West Coast sports, you know, West Coast football alive, West Coast basketball alive. And that conference fell apart because it had a terrible commissioner. It continued to bring back every single year. He's gone now. And I was hoping maybe somebody, the new guy would be able to keep it together, but he obviously failed in doing so as well. And quite frankly, what would have been right is for the PAC 12 to get another couple teams from the big 12, whatever was left over and, and make a bigger conference that way and compete that way. But that would, that didn't happen. And the, the the collapsing of the the Pac-12 is what, in my opinion, led to this, and and that's what started that train. And you're right, Andy. I, I think the from what I understand, the Big Ten made it known last year that they were interested in opening the LA market, and I think that USC and UCLA saw the way this was going and and went ahead and and went for it. And and so I, it's it's I and I look. I think USC and UCLA making that move. I think they're putting themselves at a competitive disadvantage. And they'll get a lot of revenue out of it. But I think athletically, they're putting themselves at a competitive disadvantage. Uh, they could have, USC could have stayed in the Pac-12 and backstroke to the college football playoff every year uh, with no competition, just like Clemson's done in the ACC. But they decided not to do that. And they want to, they want to do this. And I think it's going to cannibalize their programs. I think they're going to get beat up. And but I think maybe they wouldn't be able to in four or five years if that maybe not. isn't even really respected and part of the... But in four or five years, Jared, I think the the major teams are going to break off and create their own conference anyway. So good. I, I, well, let's go. Let's take. We'll take Kansas, North Carolina, Duke. Let's just take all the basketball schools and we'll go do our own thing. We'll I make mean, a lot of money. You, think you can sustain. <laughs> yeah. you, you can sustain yourself with basketball no. revenue alone. No. I mean, I think that's it, the 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 talk of additional sports. I think is the other one. I mean, I think I think for football and basketball, where there's money and infrastructure to not alleviate i mean the travel the travel is the travel right but i think there's things in place for those programs that can mitigate some of the downsides of that i think when you get into other sports that's where 
it really gets dicey. And from a competitive standpoint, you think about, you know, soccer, something like that. I think competitively, that's great. Um, but I think some of the other, you know, quote unquote, non-revenue sports are where it really becomes. Yeah. You're going to see a lot of sports disappear. That's where you really are going to struggle from a, a true student athlete perspective, because the same money and, and things aren't in place there that help to mitigate the, the travel complications that yep. th- those will hit those programs a lot harder. Unfortunately, and the fallout from that will be the U S will be worse than the Olympics as well. in some of those sports, quite frankly, because they needed the West coast places where they could play all year long. And I guarantee you USC and UCLA will start losing some of those sports. And if the PAC 12 falls apart, who knows what happens to Stanford and Oregon and some of the other schools that provide track and field and a lot of swimming and all of that stuff. Um, I mean, you know, it's there are there are long tail consequences to all of these decisions that aren't at the forefront. The forefront is cool. The conference got bigger and there's more money. There's a lot of fallout from this stuff. Like, t- for example, th- when when Texas went to the SEC, Texas is not going to win the SEC anytime soon. They're basically screwing their chances to get to the college football playoff for a paycheck. And if that's but what they're they positioning want, themselves to survive for the future. I mean, sure. that's what this is about. Yeah, okay. I, think, I think, yeah, we can't pretend that doing but nothing, just... doing nothing reverses the course that things no, I, are. No, I, I agree, won't. but there are other options available. It isn't just like you have to join the super conference or nothing. You can, I mean, you know, I, I it, but is there, don't options. you need to I be in so. one of the super yeah. conferences if you want to have a chance in the future? to compete know. for I, championships? But here's the thing is if, if you go to those super conferences, aren't you just risking getting beat up? I mean, and losing multiple games and not making the college football playoff or not making, you yeah, know, not having a high enough seed. If you're Texas, you don't think like that. If you're USC, you don't think like that. I mean, and you just want to be in the game. I mean, now USC's path to the college football playoff goes through Ohio State every single year. Before it was Oregon, you know, like, yeah, I, I but, don't. But they're going to have a guaranteed path to it. That's the thing. They I don't think the these Pac- decisions. If they went think... in the Pac-12, they would go. Right. For this year and next year, you're the one talking about what's going to happen five, ten years down the road. That's why these decisions are being They'd made. Be included in that discussion, I think. So that's I don't know. But how if know. they're not if they're not part of these big conferences? And then, as you said, the football schools break off into their own thing. Well, you want to be part of that group. That's what I'm saying. So look, it, it is there. Absolutely are there. Absolutely is collateral damage here that is undesirable. I agree with that completely. I just don't really know what other options what the other options were that were realistic. I didn't do nothing was the option, quite frankly. I, I really But that do. doesn't jive with your other arguments for UC, for USC, which is, you know, a football school. It's got to be part of where this thing is going or else yeah. it could get I mean, left out. I, I think, I think for in, for the big 10, the option was to do nothing because they're already second in revenue and they're already crushing it. And they're going to, they're about to do a new rights deal. That's already apparently already done. Yeah. But now uh, they're crushing it more and everybody gets more yeah. money. And that matters. I mean, I mean again, some of again, these problems again, that you're talking about with travel thing. and other things, well, but the, but the money, it's not just like this money comes in, you know, and a couple people get rich and that's it. Like that money is going to be spread out and good, you know, things are going to happen with it. They're going to benefit the universities and, and the student athletes. You know how so, much money is wasted by athletic departments, though, Jared? Come on. Well, of course. <laughs> like, but now there's more of it. That's so some of it can trickle topic. down that's to the not, players. <laughs> like, 
it's just more money to waste, quite frankly. I like I'm not I'm not like the money doesn't move me because it's not going to like the university. It's going to the athletic department. I mean, it may you not know, move not... you, but it moves actions in big time yeah, college sure. sports. So but like, I mean, are they going to spend so much time lamenting the fact that money makes these decisions? It just does. I, I, you know so... what? But today's the day to lament it, quite frankly. Like today's the day to lament it. I'm not going to be lamenting it every day for the next five years, but today is the day to say like, you know what, that it's just more clear every time. And it's a bummer because like, this should be about the athletes and it's not. And, and it's every time something like this happens, it's just more evidence that we're moving further and further away from like what it's supposed to be. And I know it never really has been, but it's just, we're getting slapped in the face with this is about money and that's it. It's about money to the people who are in charge, and that is it. They do not care what happens to those student-athletes. They do not care if they have to be under more stress. They don't care if this affects their mental health because of the travel and the stress on their bodies and the stress on their work. They do not care. They say they do. They do not. They want bigger paychecks, and they want fancy new things, that they fancy, shiny new things they can show off. That's it. That's all that matters. It's about money. I mean, Pete Bell told Thank us you. this a long time ago. Well, we all agree on that. I mean, that's obviously what this is about. But, you know, I just don't know. It doesn't mean I have to like it. You know what I mean? Like, no it's telling that's you to what like it. Is today. No one is telling yeah. you to like it. And, and that's, that's what it. my reaction is today, is that I, I don't like this. It's, 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 I think it's just, and I think it's going to end badly. I think I think in a couple of years this will look terrible with the two super conferences and everybody else is second fiddle and falling apart. And then there's players in those con- there's teams in those conferences that have no chance and are just getting eaten alive. And I, I just think it's really bad. Well, yeah. Anything else, Andy? By the way, we should add, uh, I know Galen and uh, Scott, I don't know if Scott was on it, but certainly Galen, they did an emergency episode of Crimson Cast, our friends on the Back Home Network. Galen, of course, very, very thoughtful. This is right on, right in his wheelhouse. So I yes. haven't had a chance to listen to this yet or to that episode yet, but I'm happy to recommend the latest episode of Crimson Cast, uh, you know, sight unseen without having heard it. Let's I'm just sure put Galen 30 teams in this. every conference, guys. Let's 30 teams in every conference and and, you know, have them just eat each other alive. Yeah, I say we play true round robin in basketball. Play a fifty-eight game season, and call it a day. <laughs> All right, got that figured out. Now, I, on the on a lighter side, uh, Coach Marlowe did put in the chat that this might lead to Bill Walton calling IU basketball games. Which those who experience that in the uh, Maui slash Asheville Invitational will uh, gladly jam sharp objects into their ears to prevent. Um, I do not know if the Conference of Champions moniker uh, will accompany. Uh, UCLA and USC into the Big Ten, but there's always the possibility of that. So you know, lots of uh, you know, lots of potential uh, ways that that part of it could go. So, also, I think we have a Josh Margolis sighting in the chat. Yeah, we do, we do. I Look mean, at this. See, can can this be that bad, Ryan? If conference realignment brings Josh Margolis back out, he's he's I think uh, uh, really like angling Mon- for Montana to be included yeah, in the Big absolutely, Ten. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, Big Sky invasion. Absolutely. Josh Margolis, for those of you who don't know, former Assembly Call intern. Mm-hmm. By the way, Crimson Cast, they just went live. Don't they know this is our time? What the heck, man? Jerks. Come on. Hurtful. They start, are they, are they right. trying to start a blog? Are they trying to start a <laughs> podcast war? We better, we better contact Coach and Tony right away so we can start to yeah. you know, make sure we get the chips when, uh, you know, if things start to break up that we put ourselves out in front. 
Uh, all right, should we talk IU basketball next? And then sure, probably get not? back to this during the Why? No, <laughs> <laughs> it's all about football, Jared. Why uh, are we talking basketball? It is all about football. Uh, coming up on the Assembly Call Radio, there were some IU basketball headlines this week. Uh, we are going to talk about those next after Ryan cools off a little bit here on the Assembly Call. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right. Well, hello to everybody who's here live. By the way, you know, one other thing, I know that there were some people in the chat talking about travel and like planes getting canceled and everything. I mean, basketball and football at least fly. I mean, they charter planes. Now, I don't know how far down that goes. Like, does the women's basketball team, do they charter a plane too for their travel? Because most of these schools, I don't, I don't think. I have no idea. That's kind of, I don't know where that line is drawn either, but that was kind of what I was trying to bring up. That, yes, yeah, some of these, from a competitive standpoint, it helps. And I saw somebody put, you know, that helps with, you know, baseball, uh, having UCLA from a soccer perspective. Like, there's good elements of it from a competitive standpoint. But, yeah, I, I'm not sure where the the line is drawn of who flies commercial versus whatever. Ari yeah, said I, Olympic I don't sports know. often are commercial. That's Offhand. what I would have assumed. But Okay. I think I think for football um, they take their own planes, uh, and I think for basketball I mean, I mean I know they do. Um, yeah, I'm not sure it's anything charge. outside of those two though. I think USC flies with two planes or maybe three. Oh, Joel because, says women's basketball does charter. Okay, that makes sense. See, that's why we got a good good people in the chat to help answer these questions when we just um, yeah I think out that we have really, no I idea think, what we're talking. I think about. I remember that USC takes three planes to a game, um, or no, it's two planes. I think one is like staff and equipment and one is the team mm-hmm. um but because i remember one time the second the the equipment plane didn't make it on time or something because of weather and like the equipment came in the next day before the game and it was a mess but mm. um yeah i i don't know here okay so no, here's i'm not what... i'm not i'm not optimistic about the future of this guy that just am not i wish really? I, could, I, I wish i could I be get all that from your yeah i wish i could be comments. all in on it huh. i'm just i'm just not yeah, I should have listened well, better. I would have picked up on that. We'll, we'll give there Mark was some Titus. That was given off, Andy. I don't know if you caught it. <laughs> no, we'll I, give, no, no. We'll give Mark Titus the final word on this. He tweeted earlier: Every D one school is either Big Ten or SEC. Fox owns the, owns the Big Ten, ESPN the SEC. Amazon buys both Fox and ESPN, merges two conferences together to make the new Coalition of American Athletics (NCAA). The coalition then splits up into divisions <laughs> called the Pac twelve, Big Twelve, ACC, SEC, and Big Ten. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what I said would happen. 
No, Titus I mean, had a great but tweet. see, this Hold is on, this me, is me. like what happens though. It's like okay, so we, we unbundled from cable, right? And so like every you know everything kind of like branched off, and now eventually things are probably going to come back together again, and we're going to see this with college sports. It's like everything's coming together, and then eventually be like, hey, wait, the regional these regional conferences really made sense for travel and rivalries, yes. and maybe we should yes. do these again. There's hey, a reason am, they did them originally. I know. I know. No, Titus had the better tweet this afternoon when somebody reported that USC and UCLA were, were, were set to leave. He said, my God, if this actually happens, it means my chances of getting a bar in LA to put the Big Ten network on will go from zero to 0.1%. <laughs> it's so true. Nobody, by the way, nobody out here cares about the Big Ten at all, guys. Like, nobody cares about the Big Ten. They might watch Michigan Ohio State football if it's on, but other than that, nobody watches the Big Ten. What so. we really need, what the Big Ten really needs to do, is focus on getting the DFW market, so that Indiana can make some trips down here: North Texas, TCU, SMU. Let's go yeah. grab some of those schools. Yeah, that that's the that's the ticket. That's what we need. Uh, um. All right, <clears throat> let's talk. Uh, let's talk basketball. Let's talk basketball. Here we go. <clears throat> Hey, this is Deron Davis. And what's the only thing better than dominating a Duke big man in the post? It's celebrated with friends afterwards. Join Gerard, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the Assembly Hall call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Deron. You are listening to the Assembly Call. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Uh, we just got done delivering our thoughts on the Big Ten realignment. Uh, but there was other news. There was Indiana basketball news uh, this week. And let's start out with a special happy birthday um, because one of our – look, if, if we were going to continue uh, podcast uh, realignment and, and kind of bring everybody under one roof like we did with the Big Ten Network and Crimson Cast, certainly the next big fish we would want to go after is inside the hall, uh, a behemoth in the IU basketball space. And inside the hall celebrated its 15th birthday this week. Alex, which Alex Bozich founded back in the day, uh, inside the hall has its learner's permit, which is fantastic. Um, but really, uh, congratulations to Alex and the entire team over there. We are obviously big fans of their work. A lot of the stuff that we talk about on this show uh, is from work that those guys have done, reporting that they have done. And so we are uh, forever appreciative of them. Uh, you know, also for running Six Banner Sunday every week for the opportunity that Alex gave me to co-host podcast on the brink with him. That was really important for us. And we were first starting out our show. So really appreciate Alex and the, the great folks over at Inside the Hall. So happy birthday to those guys. Um, all right, gentlemen, let's talk about schedule news. Uh, I believe I'm not sure um, if the North Carolina news. When, did, happened. when does Indiana play uh, USC and UCLA? So I can mark that down. <laughs> 2024. OK, it's coming. Um, so we, you know, recent schedule news, Indiana, obviously hosting North Carolina in the big 10 ACC challenge. And then this week we found out that Indiana will be in the Gavit games hosting Xavier, uh, and Sean Miller uh, on, the, on the road at Xavier. Yes. On, oh, that's right. On the road at Xavier. Sorry. Um, Sean Miller, of course, had some choice that guy? comments about, uh, the Indiana fans and how the Indiana fans actually work against Indiana, uh, on a podcast where his brother Archie sat there and took the high road, let Sean do the, uh, do yeah, the dirty work. Yeah. Uh, Not so. interjecting to stop him is taking yeah. the high road. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Good that'll job, be interesting. Arch. Way to put the effort in. 
Uh, also, uh, Jerome Hunter, still a member of the Xavier Musketeers. Go, um, so, guys, that makes four games against teams that are currently in the Bart Torvik top 25. Um, and, Andy, I know that you and Coach have had a lot of uh, time to kind of break that down. Ryan, what are your thoughts on the schedule, which is pretty much the four top 25 teams and then a whole lot of cupcakes? Because I think the highest-ranked team, like they, you know, they announced this week that they're going to face Elon – uh, and I think, Andy, what's the highest ranked other game they have, like 250th or 220th or something? They don't have another yeah. one above 200. Okay. Yeah, I don't think there's one outside of the top 200 that I can recall, at least. And I think it was actually one of the, I think it was like the SWAC or the Southland School that they're playing. Actually, is one of the higher ones at that point. If they're playing Jackson State, for some reason, I want to say that came up last week that they're one of the higher ones ranked, at least on yeah. on Torvik. So. Yeah. Uh, Look, I, I think it's great that they're facing North Carolina. Um, that is always uh, a banger of a game when it's in Bloomington. That uh, for traditionally, those have always been great games. Even the one that that Indiana lost in, like I think it was two thousand four, maybe mm-hmm. or two thousand three, with it was the Sean May returning game. That was still a great, fun game to watch. Uh, I think that North Carolina team went on to win a national title either that year or the next. Um, then they beat them twice, um, and then, you know, in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, and they've been really fun, up tempo games. The way that both uh, that that North Carolina plays, and um, still will play under their new head coach. And uh, I just I think it's a great matchup. I think it's it's one of those where like you know what I, I don't want to play Duke anymore. I, I hate playing Duke in that thing. I feel like it's just ordained for Duke to win. One of these times we've got to get it, but. I love when they play North Carolina. I think it's a great it's if you're not gonna play Duke, you want to play North Carolina and getting it at home is always just awesome. And it's a lot more fun to play North Carolina than Duke. It is. It no is you feel like it. Duke is a grind where North Carolina is you're gonna throw some haymakers at each other, it's gonna be up tempo, it's gonna be kind of loose. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Uh the Xavier one, I mean, you felt like they had to add one more big game. And, you know, obviously Gavit Games taking him and adding Xavier is, is a good one. Uh, it's a road game, which is going to be interesting just because they've got that and they've got Kansas. Andy, so, will you be there? Indiana Xavier? Uh, I don't know. It's funny. I have a, I have a friend who's a, uh, who has season tickets to Xavier, and I was like, oh, maybe I get him to take me to the game. And then I remember that his wife went to IU, so that probably probably puts me in a different You might spot. be able to get a press pass, Andy. Yeah, press yeah, pass. No, maybe, maybe. This is why so, yeah, post game show. No cheering, by the way. If you mm, no cheering, Andy. I'm out then. Okay. Can I yell at the referees though? <laughs> I I'm sorry, that is not allowed. Yeah, just double, pay for your double, ticket and heckle double, Sean Miller the entire double, time. What was the last? No, hey, what was the last time Indiana played North Carolina? Was that in the NCAA tournament? Or yes. did they have them? Or did they have them after that? Oh no, they played him in 2017 and beat him. Uh, OG's sophomore year. It was 16-17, right? I think. Yes. We lost to him in the Sweet 16. Yeah. And then 17. And then we beat Kansas and North Carolina. We're up to number four in the country. So it's fall of 20. That was like November of 2016, though. It was the 2017 season. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So it was right after that. Got it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So the last time they played him, they beat him. That's right. Um, So a a few recruiting notes here that are interesting. Um, So RSCI kind of puts together composite rankings. You know, they take all the the different uh, recruiting rankings out there. Indiana's recruiting class ranked number 13 in the RSCI composite rankings. Curious, uh, see if you guys know, how many top 25 classes has Indiana had since 1998 when the RSCI rankings began? How many top Chime 15? in in the chat. No, how many top 25 classes has Indiana had since 1998? Just top 25 since 98. What do you think? Chat mob, chime in. 
How many top 25 classes since 1998 has Indiana had? I got to guess. I'm looking at it in the run sheet, so I feel that would be compromising the integrity of the... Uh, Ooh, I, yes. I knew Ryan wouldn't look at the run sheet, so that's why I... I no, I have the run sheet up. I just didn't look that I figured, I figured that was posed more on him than me, but that's whatever. <laughs> Let's, Let's see. see. We've got... Wow, Tyler says 16. Wow, so we've got 16 and then 4, 3, 2, 5, 6. Interesting. Uh, you're all around it. The actual answer is 10. So since 1998, Indiana has had 10 top 25 classes. Which is more than most people think, but still not a lot <laughs> for a. No, uh, that's that's actually right around. Like I was thinking between somewhere between like nine and thirteen or something like that. Because I guess it would depend on what recruiting services it, they're using. You know, like it makes a lot of sense given Indiana's struggles during that time period yeah. because we know how important recruiting is. Now let me ask you this: So this year's recruiting class, only the sixth time that Indiana has had three top one hundred recruits. So a few of those times, you know, they had, you know, just one you know, really high level uh, recruit and one other one who was a little bit farther down and they still made it. Um, only six times have they had three top 100 recruits uh, and only two classes have had four top 100 recruits. Ryan, do you remember the two recruiting classes since 1998 that had four top 100 recruits? Okay, so I'm going to say 2004. Is that Can you one? name the recruits? Uh, 2004, DJ White. Is that that class? Yep, the right on, class? Yep. Uh, AJ Ratliff, uh, Robert Vaden, and this is gonna be a tricky one. This is, oh, this is yeah, impressive. I know, I know, I know. God, um, shoot, he didn't stay long, did he? Robert Rothbart, no, damn. No, no that, a, was, that was quite a pull, though, to get yeah, that. that was, I knew there was a guy. I feel like, I feel like we should give you. I feel like we should give you credit for getting. It he right was like ninety nine or something name. when I was in school. Uh, oh, one more top one hundred with that team. They did. He a was a dual a dual sport athlete. James Hardy. James Hardy. That's right. Now, do you remember Thank the other one? The other recruit in that class? Yeah, no, the other recruiting no. class where Indiana had four top one hundred recruits. Or what is Robert Rothbart's current address? That will also <laughs> yes. give you the... The other cl class, they, they had four top 100 guys. Yep. Was They've it Kelvin Sampson's one. first one? No. Was it... It wasn't Crean's first full class, was it? Nope. Not his first okay. one. Okay. Where a bunch of guys transferred? No, it was the movement. It was not the movement. What? Mm -mm. Ooh. Hold on. I'm going to get this. Four top 100 guys. Yes. It's a cream class. Andy was Four. president of one of the players' fan clubs. I might have so been as well. The, it's the Robert Johnson. One guy didn't season. stay very long. No. Yeah. So it was. Oh, it, it wasn't Robert Johnson? No. It wasn't Robert Johnson's class. Care. That was just Robert and James Lackman Jr. Oh, Stan Robinson's class. Mm -hmm. It was Stan Robinson. Um, uh, James Blackman Jr. No, was James Blackman Jr. in that one? Mm -mm. God, it's so weird to think. To I like that I'm shaking my head in here like I'm not looking at the answer. <laughs> I, any, I legitimately no, would have done terribly at any of these questions, but I'm like, was, no, definitely not um, that. That's terrible. Well, that was Noah Vonley was, was with Stan, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. um, You're missing the Troy player who Williams? had the best career. Yep, Troy, Troy Williams. Williams. And then that now, would who be mean it was Luke Fisher because Luke they Fisher. were roommates. I think yes, or they Luke were Fisher out. was the other yeah. one. Yeah, that is right. Uh, so the players for that Indiana. 20, that was 2013 2013. 2013. 2013. 
Yep. So Indiana had three players ranked in the top 100. Jalen Hutchifino, 20th. Malik Renu, uh, 26th. And Caleb Banks, 96th. CJ Gunn uh, didn't make it. Much to the chagrin of Coach Yasir Rosemond, uh, who, and this is the other thing I want to talk about. He was a guest uh, on this week's Hoosier Hysterics podcast. And I thought it was a really, really insightful conversation um, with Coach Yaw. Um, gave a lot of insight on the freshman, uh, one being C.J. Gunn, who basically said, like, man, if there's 100 players better than him, that's got to be an incredible class because um, he's got mm-hmm. game, uh, which I think a lot of us agree on. Um, you know, the two things that really stood out to me from that discussion, and certainly recommend that uh, to everybody, is a lot of great insight on Coach Woodson and how he works with his coaching staff, uh, which I found really interesting. You know, one of the one of the interesting nuggets was about how, you know, Coach Woodson is really good at kind of recognizing when to push the guys and when to pull back. And then at times when he's kind of sensed that the players have heard his voice enough, he'll give the practice to one of the assistant coaches and let them lead it, which I thought was really interesting. And then, you know, probably the most insightful part of the conversation was when he was talking about Caleb Banks. And Caleb Banks was really the first, you know, recruit that Coach Yaw was the lead on, had a pre-existing relationship with him. And, you know, it was interesting. He talked about how, you know, he kind of plays the bad cop and Kenya Hunter plays the good cop with Caleb Banks. And a lot of the reason for that is, you know, Coach Yaw is really close with Caleb's mom, knows that Caleb's mom wants Coach Yaw to be really hard on him and kind of push him. And he said that dynamic is flipped with Xavier Johnson where Kenya Hunter kind of has the relationship and could be the bad cop, and Coach Yaw, you know, is more the good cop with him. Um, but about Caleb Banks, he said the thing, and Coach Tonsoni will love this, because to- Coach Tonsoni's been driving the Caleb Banks hype train uh, on this show. But he said Coach Woodson loves how easily he could score. And I think the line was uh, – oh, what is the line? I wrote it down. Um, he – where is it? So you said somebody like falls into points or something. Yes, like here that, it is. is yeah. Loves his ability to score easily. Yes, he falls into points. And for a program that has been as offensively starved as Indiana, having a player who simply falls into points is great. Now, it's the offseason. It is the time for uh, all things being possible for all freshmen. So we issued those caveats. But it was really interesting. You know, you do kind of get the sense from Coach Yah. He is very candid, <laughs> good and bad. Um, had some really interesting things to say, I thought, about uh, Christian Lander and Rob Finnessy um, and their decisions to leave and kind of their time at Indiana. Um, yeah, falls into points. I think that's what it was uh, Joel put in the chat. So anyway, highly recommend that. Um, really was a good week for getting to know the freshmen more, both from those comments, from our episode of the Assembly Call with all those guys, from Jalen Huchifino's media availability. Um, lots of good stuff. Anything jump out to you guys um, from some of the comments that we heard from the coaches and players this week? Yeah, I have not had a chance to listen to the Coach Yacht interview, but uh, have heard many you know, rave about it. I think as I listened into the interview that you did with those guys and and with Scoop, um, feels like despite, you know, I think you would expect there to be a fairly natural chemistry between Jalen Hutchifino and, and Malik, but uh, really seems like as a group, those guys all get along and, and sensed a bit of what you talked about, where they were just kind of on there hanging out, talking about, um, talking about different things like that. I think that's the, you know, uh, that means something now, whether it means something when you know, you get into the heat of the season and you can maintain that level of, uh, of closeness when the, it, when things really start in, in big 10 season. But, um, but I think exciting to see the foundation that those guys are, those guys are laying as guys who you would expect to be there uh, for a bit. And, and it seems like everybody is, is going to push for, um, making some hard decisions uh, from a playing time standpoint. Um, we've talked so many times about 
not everybody's going to be able to, to, to be able to play as much as they might want. But um, I think you see how the skill sets fit together and they all seem to have a, have a good attitude at this point. It seemed like a, uh, a really good group of guys to, uh, to represent the program. So exciting in that regard, for sure. I've been called out by Richie here who said Jared left CJ to fend for himself in regards to Indiana high school basketball. Uh, I did regret some of how I handled that situation and that conversation. Uh, if you have listened to it, that was really probably one of the most entertaining uh, parts of the conversation. Um, and CJ and I both left out like the biggest thing about Indiana high school basketball, which is, you know, the passion and how much people, you know, just how much love for it there is in Indiana. Um, but yeah, they, uh, they were ganging up on, uh, on him pretty good. That, that is clearly a topic that has been brought up, uh, many times. So CJ is right, of course, but we'll have to have that debate again. Um, all right, you guys ready to move forward and answer some questions? Sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. No more expansion. Please, no questions about expansion whatsoever. Oh, damn it. Mm-hmm. There are questions about expansion, but that's okay. Uh, coming Obviously. up on the assembly call, we will answer your questions that we're sending via the community and elsewhere. That's coming next. Stick with us. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, it was interesting. Coach Yaw said he wouldn't leave Indiana unless it's to be a head coach. Like, slow down, dude. It was your first year <laughs> as an assistant. Like, <laughs> I will say, though, man, I did find myself thinking that when I was listening to it. And I didn't think that because I, I remember, you know, when Coach Yaw was hired, I, I listened to a whole bunch of his interviews and I was impressed um, because he really seemed to me like a guy who was going to be able to connect with recruits. I thought the way that he thought about recruiting was, you know, just really good. And he seemed ready for the job. Listening to him now, he sounds to me like a guy who's more ready to be a head coach, actually. You know, and maybe that's, you know, the influence of being around Mike Woodson and just being at a job like Indiana. But there was something a little bit more authoritative, I guess is the way I would describe it about listening to him talk. Um, and, uh, you know, it just, yeah, I, and again, it's, you know, a coach, he's obviously biased toward the way that they do things, but I think you listen to that. And it does make you feel good about some of the things that they're doing. So, um, all right, Ryan, I know that you have to go soon and, uh, it is getting late. So let's get to this and let's answer some questions. Here we go. <clears throat>
This is Nick Zeisloft. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Thank you, Nick. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And it is time now for our mailbag. All questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about at join.assemblycall. No, you can learn more about at assemblycall.com slash community. Uh, let's start actually with a question that was not submitted via the community, but via text earlier, uh, from our good friend, Jay. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's mediocre question. Ryan, I believe this question is for you. If a plane leaves Piscataway traveling at 300 miles per hour and a plane leaves LA traveling at 200 miles per hour, who reaches Lincoln first? (laughs) Hopefully nobody. Have you ever been to Lincoln? Why can't we get them out of the Big Ten? I don't want them. You're the one who wants to add more people, Jared. I do not want to add more people. And I certainly don't want Nebraska. They do nothing. Um, No, here's his real question. Does the Big Ten becoming a truly national conference create new recruiting opportunities for Indiana on the West Coast? What do you think? Maybe. I mean, maybe, but I don't think it's going to make that big a difference. Um, Like, I mean... Those kids can watch national basketball games if they want to already anyway. I, I don't think it's I, – I think that is oversold. I really do. I think most kids wind up staying close to home anyway. And, you know, the kids who grow up on the West Coast in this weather aren't typically inclined to jump to somewhere else. Kids who grow up in the South don't typically jump. I mean, it's a rare occasion yeah. when that happens, but – I don't think it does. I think that's going to be sold as that. And like, hey, we got a chance to recruit new areas and stuff. But I, you might you know get what? a kid every once in a while. You might get a kid every once in a while, but I don't think it's going to be some big sea change yeah. in recruiting. Now, you know Either what way. opens up new recruiting areas? Coaches with relationships in those areas. Exactly. Indiana recruits Florida because Tom Allen has relationships there. Yeah. You know, we're recruiting Georgia that's, because that's, Yah has relationships there. It's so a much, that is a much bigger factor than who you're playing, where you're playing. They always say like, we're doing this football game trip out to El, uh, to California and it's a great recruiting opportunity. It's like, no, it's not. It's a chance for you to bring your team out to California. That's all it is. Like, you know, yeah. when you go to the Maui Invitational, you're not going down and uh, recruiting St. Louis high school there. You're, you're going out to Maui. Like it's, you know, so it, it has, it has very little to do uh, with that. I think. From P Bulldog, are you guys really going to stay up until one a.m. doing post game shows after a West Coast visit? To I will County? not. They can take it over because they're supporting this idea. So I'm out on that. You got to. You guys are going to get ready for some 10 p.m. Eastern tips. It's I thought this was really going to force your hand to host a show. Yeah, the, you know, you out out of out of, out of, I, under protest. I will not force. <laughs> I will not host the show because of the protest. But yeah, no, Andy all nighter. I say let the East Coast guy just take it and run with it. Just stay up all night, do what you got to do. Yeah. No, I mean if we can, we're going to do them. But it may be a little. That's what we let the interns get the email out. They're young. After. They're college students. They'll come yeah. home from the bar and do the show. Yes, exactly. Um, okay, let's uh, let's go to our next question. It's the dumb, 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 dumb question of the week. The dumb question of the week, submitted by Bob Thompson, who also does the music for the dumb question of the week. Does seeing Gabe Cups and Xavier Booker in a TikTok allow me to assume that Booker is a lock to come to IU? Andy, I'm sure you saw that. Is it possible that uh, Ryan has called it a disaster if Xavier Booker does not come to Indiana? That's not what I said. 
Oh, that is exactly what you said. No, 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 no. I didn't call it a disaster. I said that he was a uh, like the most important recruit. Then they got Malik Renault, and I said it makes it less important to get Xavier Booker. So there you go, Jared. Maybe you should listen to our show. Wow. Okay. Uh, no, I did not see the TikTok and and, and news that shocks exactly no one. Uh, and uh, I I I want I don't want to stand in the way of Bob. Uh, dreaming whatever he wants. So who am I to say that doesn't allow him to do that? Yes. Uh, in our random and ridiculous Twitter question of the week from Jen, she wants to know if we should be concerned at all about Trace Jackson Davis cutting his hair and losing his powers. Uh, or if the presence of the Alford-like quaff of Trey Galloway uh, will allow us to be okay. Hmm. Ryan, we're going to let you take that one. It's a great question. It's a great, great question. Look, I think that actually with the new game that Trace Jackson Davis is going for, I think he's going to need to be more fluid. And I think that hair provided drag. So I think that, you know, he's going to, he's going to need to move more. He's going to be out on the perimeter. He's got to be a little quicker this year. Uh, Cause they're going to go a little more up tempo. I think that that is good. Uh, going with the Alford cut for Trey Galloway. I not a fan, not a fan. I think that the floppy hair was, was really uh, a look for him. That was that worked. That was working for him. And so well, Alfred's hair really didn't move. So that's really going to be the key for Galloway. Yeah. You get it to yeah. a point where it just doesn't move at all. Yeah, to be clear, Alford, she you know, just Alford said, would deny this. Alfred would deny this, but I think there was a lot of product going on there. Because it was she just said the Alfred like perfection of Trey's hair. Yeah. So not a fan, not a fan. Not a fan. I think that he is he needed he needed to be given his game and the energy he plays with, needed to be a little wild. Needed to be a little wild. And so not 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 on board there, but Trace. I'm, I'm liking where we're going with this. Okay. Uh, Andy from JD, how much do you follow all the recruiting as it goes on? Does any of the process stuff really matter? Or do you just ultimately care about who eventually decides to come to IU? I personally don't follow a lot of it. I forget what I was. I don't know if it was a, a podcast I was listening to uh, at some point a while back. And they said that as you, as you go on in life, you're, your interests are kind of like a, like a bonsai tree where you're just pruning certain things as you get older that you may not have time for. This has been a thing that I have pruned. So I don't really uh, get too much into it because it, you can look at it and it's like everything is positive and set yourself up for perpetual disappointment uh, or whatever else. So I personally don't really follow it, but um, that, that's not to mean that people should not and uh, should not get enjoyment out of it. But that's, that, that's not my, not my thing. I think that's a very healthy way to look at it, Andy. Very healthy. Um, Ryan from JD, lots of talk about IU needing to change or improve its offense. Do college coaches really change their offenses that much from year to year? Did Woodson do that in the NBA? Um, well, some college coaches do. Uh, Archie Miller certainly did not. Uh, other coaches certainly do not. There's a lot. Mostly what they do is sometimes they tweak things to personnel. You know, instead of they'll, they'll one year, they'll do a lot of pick and roll, a lot of pick and roll, a lot of pick and roll. Then you get a big man who kind of shoot, you switch it to pick and pop and do some pick and roll in there as well. You, you make, you know, more down screens, more pin downs, whatever, if you have shooters. I mean, so there are changes. Um, I, you know, as far as Woodson's time in the NBA, I mean, I think that he ran a basics system that he ran everywhere. And there were just like that tweaks of what he, he does because these guys have, it's not just a system. It's a philosophy of what they want to do in basketball. And that is their system is a product of that. What I would say is I think that Indiana's offense did change towards the end of last season. 
And from what everybody has said, there was a lot of influence uh, from a few guys who Woody trusts that sort of helped to change some things that they were doing and open the floor up a little bit more. Uh, hopefully that stays because we saw the offense start to be a whole lot better at the end of the year after being really frustrating throughout most of the season. So hopefully those changes stick. Hopefully there's some new wrinkles added. Hopefully there's more of an emphasis on shooting, uh, you know, but we'll see. I mean, you really have to give a coach a couple of years to really understand what he's trying to do. Yeah. It was interesting in the, although in the, the discussion, Jared, with the freshmen, um, this was one of those that for me coming in, you kind of look at it as how much was last year, what you can expect from Woodson versus how much of it was just, this is his first year. He wanted to focus on defense and whatever. The freshman kind of echoed the same stuff that Woodson was saying last off season, that it was predominantly about defense and being in the right spot for them. And the offense would just kind of flow. I forget which one of them said that, but they all kind of talked about the same thing as they were transitioning in about really being asked to focus defensively at first. So it was one of those things that to me coming in, you're like, well, is he just going to build on stuff and didn't have the time, didn't want to overcomplicate things in year one while he was teaching what he wanted to do defensively. I, I don't know that you read too much into those comments, but I, I, it makes me question whether there'll be anything dramatically different than, than likely what we saw more toward the end of the year. And it's probably an evolution an in season evolution where you may add, add some things as you go. But I think the nuts and bolts of it probably aren't going to be that different would be my guess based on those comments yeah i mean especially with so many experienced guys back like i know we all hope to see trace expand his game but 95 percent of what trace is going to do is probably what we've seen him do just hopefully at a higher level like we saw at the end of last year same thing with race like hopefully race is able to take and make a few three-pointers but i think we're going to see a lot from race of what we've seen hopefully miller cop is able to make more shots but he's still going to be miller cop um you know so that's what'll be interesting to see is you know, can a guy like Tamar, you know, really come in with an advanced, you know, uh, an evolved offensive game that really changes things? You know, what does Jalen Huchifino, uh bring to the table offensively? That's what will be interesting to see um, from those guys. Because otherwise, I mean, I think we know what to expect from the other guys. And that's mostly a good thing because they're good players. And they showed at the end of last season that they had another kind of gear to go up to. Um, but that was tweaks on some of the things that they were already doing. Um Let's see here. Ah, yes. Let's do one more question here. Um, I guess two more questions uh, from Soccer Dad. Do you think it would be better for Miller Cop and for the team if he played with the second unit? Ryan is nodding his head vigorously. Absolutely. Uh, I think he can be the leader on that second unit. And um, I, I think that going against a team's second unit defensively will help him get better shots, quite frankly. Uh, I think that they'll need to space the floor on the second unit, maybe having someone like Trey or even Jalen hood, Shafino, if he stays in with that second unit, which I think we're going to see a lot of, uh, to handle the ball there can get him better shots. Uh, it's really going to be interesting to see how they do lineups. Uh, but I don't think there's any chance Miller starts this year. I mean, I know that Woodson loves a veteran, but I just, with the way the lineups are, I, I line up, I, I just, don't see how he's a starter. So I think he's going to be the second unit guy. And I think he, he can be a factor. He's got to hit those shots, but I think he's going to be a factor. I will not be shocked if to open the season, the starting lineup is X Tamar Miller race and trace. I would. Um, <clears throat> well, the thing is, I, I mean, I think Jalen Huchifino is going to play a lot of minutes, but I think from the one season we've seen from Woody, 
it seems like he likes to have that backup point guard in there to kind of lead the second unit in the first half. He likes to have some insurance in case X really struggles or get in early foul trouble, but then he really changes things up in the second half and kind of rides with a set of guys. And I think Jalen Hutchinson will be part of that group in the second half, but I'm really curious to see he, what he does in the first half. So my, my stance on this, and maybe this will change when he's on campus and has talks with Woody, but I don't think you land Jalen Hutchinson if you don't tell him he's going to be starting. So, I mean, he's going to be playing starters minutes. That's what I mean. Well, but I just I mean, maybe he's okay with that. But I, I feel like, you know, to some guys, starting is important. It's very, I agree. It's, it, it doesn't matter to me. It's uh, finishing to me is more important. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I won't be shocked if he starts either, you know, to be clear. But I just think it's interesting from the one year that we've seen from Woody, yeah. he does seem to like that template because then he would play Rob more when Rob was healthy in the second halves. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting because I think Jalen is going to be one of our five best players, um, you know, and by the end of the season, obviously, you know, should be a lot better than than he is at the start. Um, but, you know, we said that about tomorrow and things didn't go as well for him. And so it's a long season for these freshmen. So we'll see. Um, from uh, Bob, should the Big Ten think about a renaming or rebranding at this point? <laughs> no, it's not going to happen, guys. I feel like if you, you didn't, when you had 14 what difference is a couple more, you know, doesn't matter. unless you get to 20 and then you can do big 10 times two or something like that. But now the math doesn't work. It becomes difficult. Now they really, you know what, when they expanded from 10 to 11 to Penn state and had the awesome logo with the little 11 in the middle, that was mm-hmm. perfect. That was about as far about as they could go. And now it's, it's just done. So just- in, in one of my journalism classes, we were talking about marketing and uh, doing cool logos that like have hidden things in it. Like the FedEx, like FedEx. has an arrow, it has an arrow in it and all that. And somebody was like, and then, yeah, the big 10 logo that has an 11 in it. And look, bear in mind, I just moved to the Midwest. I just enrolled at IU. I had, I didn't look at the big 10 logo all the time, but I'd seen it. And in there, I'm like the 11. And he's like, Yeah the 11 and he like pointed at it. i'm like oh you mean the 11 yeah of course that's always been there yes no totally yeah obvious obviously sorry i thought you were talking about something else uh, and i left there i'm like oh my god there's an 11 in that logo it is yeah so there is you had to go you were forced to go drop the class immediately i would assume. <laughs> yeah it's like, I, I can never see this person again in my life <laughs> all righty Well, that is going to do it for us on this week's edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call uh, radio recording. Thank you to Bob Thompson for producing the music. Thank you to John Ringer of rigsdesign.com for designing our logos. And thank you, as always, for listening, especially all of our new listeners out in the L.A. market. Uh, We will talk to you all (laughs) next week. Until then. (laughs) Oh, shit, I hit the wrong button. Um, Whatever. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. We're going to be huge in the L.A. market, man. Huge. (laughs) I can't wait till the Big Ten tournament's there. (laughs) Me and Mark Titus are going to be the only people tuning in. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Perfect. Perfect. Oh, man. All right. All right. Go tell your parents we said hi. I will. All right. Thanks for being here, everybody. Andy, good to see you, man. Yeah, you too. All right. We will uh, talk to everybody next week. Who knows? (laughs) Who knows what expansion news we might have next week? (laughs) Who knows, man? (laughs) Uh, All right. We'll see y'all. All right. Take care, everybody.